Thanks for that, Ben. What a fun day down at the park. Still a beautiful day as the game ends as well. That's how you know you're in the heart of baseball season. The afternoon game's over, and you still got a couple hours of sunlight left. And you're probably leaving the park in a good mood. The Jays win 12-3 against the Minnesota Twins. Yes, they lost their eight-game winning streak on Friday night. What a way to bounce back, though. A lot of runs, a lot of offense, a season high in runs, actually. The most runs the Jays have scored since the season finale against the Baltimore Orioles last year. Most hits they've had this season with 16. Everyone who starts gets on base. Everyone except Matt Chapman gets a hit. He still manages to get on base a couple times with a walk and being hit by a pitch. A magnet for those things lately, Matt Chapman. In a little bit of a weird turn, the Jays scored 12 runs. The story of this one is the pitcher. Jose Barrios with a career-high 13 strikeouts. You could tell it was going to be a special day for him early. Through one and two-thirds innings, every plate appearance had finished with either a swinging strikeout or 100-mile-an-hour-plus contact off the bat. Uh, That has tended to be the story of Jose Barrios' season, where he still does have a little bit of ability to get guys to chase. Uh, but that hard contact's there. He settled in even more from there. Monstrously efficient through his first three innings. He had seven strikeouts through three, uh, but had only thrown 41 pitches, which is great. That means you're going to save the bullpen. Uh, he goes on to strike out 13. Again, that's a career high. He had twice struck out 12, including last year early in the season when uh, Rocco Baldelli, his former manager on the Minnesota Twins, pulled him with a no-hitter through six. Maybe Barrios had that on his mind as he cruised to uh, his 13th strikeout. Underlying those 13 strikeouts, also a season high with 19 whiffs. 19 times Minnesota Twins batters swung and missed at Jose Barrios' stuff today. Eight on the curveball, eight on the sinker. What that tells you is that, well, not that you need anything more to tell you he had a good game beyond the 13 strikeouts, but everything underneath it, was working for him. Uh, the fastball wasn't elite, but it located better. His curveball and changeup were both nasty, as they can be when he's at his best. 13 strikeouts. He gives up two earned over seven innings, three hits, two walks, 13 Ks. All the damage done in the first inning on a two-run shot by Jorge Polanco really settled in through there. You don't see you don't see pitchers cruise like that too often through second to seventh innings. Uh, he left with just 90 pitches thrown as well. Nice day where he can just hand it to the bullpen uh, for one from Julian Merriweather and one from Trent Thornton. Extremely low leverage because, again, the Jays with 12 runs. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you thought of today's game. Any questions you have, any comments, you can text 590-590 or you can call 416-870-0590 or one 590 or star 590. We have a couple of texts already filtering in. Keep your calls coming. Uh, Let's start with multiple texts at once. This is a mea culpa on my part. There were some in the text line as well, but mostly this was just a a handful of my friends who know of my affinity for Dylan Bundy texting me in, uh, basically asking for me to come clean that Dylan Bundy is this more often than not. Bundy gives up six runs, five earned on eight hits over two and a third just two strikeouts. He did not look good. Uh, we teed it up in Jay's pregame some of the ways you can get at Dylan Bundy, especially with a righty-heavy lineup. Uh, he, early on at least, stayed away from that slider that he throws so, so often to right-handed hitters. 
Uh, maybe he should have continued to do that. He got zero whiffs on that slider. In fact, he could really not locate it at all. Uh, he actually only got two strikes on that slider the entire game of the 11 he threw. He mostly went four-seam fastball, which is unusual for him against a righty-heavy lineup. I don't know if he's going to do that again. Uh, the fastball wasn't the most of his trouble. It was mostly the sinker that the Jays teed off on, uh, but I'm not sure Bundy's going to go back to leading fastball and going sinker slider off of it against a righty-heavy lineup. Not after that one. He was followed by Ian Hamilton, Yenye Cano, Juan Manea uh, to close that out for the Twins, just eat up innings. Uh, and the Jays got to all of them a little bit. Again, I mentioned every Blue Jay who starts gets on base. All of them get a hit except for Matt Chapman, who gets on base twice and scores with a walk, scores after being hit by a pitch. You even have a ninth inning where everyone got the loot in the riot a little bit. Teoscar gets his third hit of the game. That's 10 hits over his last five, and six of those extra bases. He's quietly, not so quietly the last few, but quietly at the start. A nine-game hit streak now for Teoscar Hernandez. Nice to see him turn that around. The extra base hits, of course, what stand out. He legged out a triple today, just the third triple on the season for the Toronto Blue Jays as a team, and he stole a base. George Springer also stole a base. Uh, they didn't even throw down. There were runners on the corners, and he took second uncontested. This Minnesota Twins team, very poor at controlling the run game. Uh, opposing teams are now 31 for 34, stealing bases against them. That's especially tough for them. Uh, Ryan Jeffers behind the plate, and Dylan Bundy works slow to the plate. Uh, so Springer was able to take that one uncontested. You also had home runs from Bo Bichette in the first inning. Alejandro Kirk in the third, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with his team-leading 12th in the fourth. Uh, Vlad's kind of hooked down the left field line, weren't sure if it was going to get out. The other two, there wasn't much question at all. Alejandro Kirk stays red hot with the homer, another hit, and a walk. As I mentioned, Teoscar Hernandez with three hits. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with three hits, tacks on a little extra late. And Kevin Biggio ties a career high, getting on base four times. Two hits and two walks in this one. OPS has creeped up to 566, still not where you want it to be, big picture, but he's put together a couple decent games in a row now at the plate. It looks like the Jays are going to continue to work him in in sort of a ninth or 10th man role where he bounces around positions uh, to fill in and give guys off days. Um, they are in the midst of a long stretch of games here. They'll have Thursday off, and then they play 13 in a row again. So expect to see more of those days. Expect to see Biggio continue to bounce through the lineup and bounce through the field uh, he played first and second today. Bobachet came out at one point for a pinch hitter just to get a little rest. George Springer also came out uh, for a fielding replacement, Bradley Zimmer, at one point. I would imagine that was motivated in part by Springer chopping a foul ball off his shins. Didn't look too worse for the wear. Stayed in for that plate appearance. But he did come out of the game beyond that. Um, not that there were any negatives at all from this game. The Jays left 11 runners on base, though. This could have been even worse for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, we have a caller on the line. This is my first time taking a caller solo on Jay's Talk. It is Steve from Hamilton. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Uh, that's my first time talking to you, but uh, I call regularly. I, we uh, had a conversation with Blair and Barker I, we've been talking about over the last while about how this team is a machine. And when it starts firing on all cylinders... Nobody can hang with them, and uh, I think we start seeing that. We're 9 out of 10 
Springer, Vladdy, everybody. Teo is on fire. But uh, I had this thing we were talking about uh, with, with Mr. Blair. I was going down to Buffalo to, for a month and uh, to have a look at Gabby Moreno. And uh, he, I asked him what we should look for. And he said, well, watch how he calls the game because we know he's got power. Now, Friday night, he goes four for five, four runs, and walks it off in the night. It was the game of his career. He's coming. This guy's something. Uh, but uh, I really enjoyed the game today. It's nice to uh, talk to you for the first time, and I hope you you got big shoes to fill there, you know, in yeah, this I job. Sure, I sure yeah. do. That's why it's a once-in-a-while thing to start, Steve. Uh, glad you, you got know, a chance to look at Moreno. You, you talk about calling the game. He went uh, over four last night, but – Castillo, who just got the call up from Double A, had a really nice start for the Bisons last night. I know they were on the road, so he probably didn't get to to check that one. But hey, when you have a new guy on the team and he throws allows one run over six and a third, you gotta give a little tip of the hat to the catcher there as well. Nice to hear from Steve from Hamilton. Uh, always cool to hear about Jays fans who go down to Buffalo or uh, Vancouver. I lived out in Vancouver before and would try to get the odd Canadians game in as well. Uh, cool part of having the minor league affiliates pretty close uh, a handful of texts coming in the text line um, this person didn't sign theirs please uh, add your name and location so we can shout you out uh, why not try castillo from triple a he throws hard has to be better than some of the uh, back of the bullpen arms uh, i would say in that case uh, i did just give him the the thumbs up on his uh his performance last night but max castillo just got to triple a uh, let's give him a little bit of time there. Uh, he's made three starts. Yes, he's been awesome. One earned run over 18 innings uh, with the Buffalo Bisons, 18-5 um, to five strikeout to walk ratio over those games. So definitely a guy to keep on the radar. Uh, he had a 310 ERA over six starts at AA. But that's a guy who is only 23 and is a starter down there. I think you'd probably see one of the guys with – less prospect shine left on them still like a Thomas Hatch or someone like that come up if the bullpen needed uh, refreshment, refreshing. Um, Lindsay and Breslau says, I'm looking forward to how much more dangerous the Jays will be when Chapman starts getting some luck and heats up. And last, I think it was Wednesday, there was the ball was jumping at the Rogers Center and Chapman roped another one that got just to the warning track. Maybe it was last night. My memory's fuzzy. Uh, but you're right, Lindsay in Breslau. Matt Chapman has had some of the worst uh, fortune, as we might put it, in terms of how well he's hit the ball and what the actual results have been. Um, poor guy. It's, uh, you know, I, I know that some people take the approach that, well, you gotta, you only get credit for the hits you get, not the hits you should have got. He is in the 96th percentile in the league for uh, hitting the ball hard often, 92nd percentile for average exit velocity. Uh, basically, he's hit the ball at a top 10% rate, and he has not got top 10% results. Uh, even kind of a fitting snapshot today where he does get on base twice, he does score twice, he gets in on the run parade, uh, but he's the lone guy with a zero in the hit column because he takes a walk and gets beamed by one. Uh, we got a call here from Matt in Oshawa. He wants to talk about some bullpen stuff. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, Blake. How's it going, man? So I'm a big uh, fan of you guys and William up with the Raptors content. So um spoken to you guys before. And the question I have mainly is uh, with the bullpen kind of working a little bit, do you see any guys uh, maybe coming up that could help the bullpen out? I know that they have a couple of guys that they just uh, recalled like Beasley, but do you think maybe Adrian Hernandez could be an option or is the trade market more what the Blue Jays are looking for? 
Yeah, I, I think the trade market will be something they explore before the trade deadline for sure. Uh, I don't know that they'll jump the gun on the market the same way they did last year with Richards and Simber. I think they're pretty comfortable with their top five or six guys. Uh, you're right, though. There are some names down there. And Beasley got the first crack. When Ryan Barucki was DFA'd and it opened up a 40-man spot, my eyes immediately went to Adrian Hernandez because the results have been so striking. He's still just 22. Uh, he just got the AAA partway through this year. Uh, but, man, that changeup is something else. He has a 43% strikeout rate at AAA yeah, right now over 12 appearances. Uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say he's really composed also for a 22-year-old. I've seen him pitch a couple times. He just doesn't seem to get rattled. So I was I was not quite sure where the Blue Jays were with him, if they were high on him or just wanted to see if it plays out in AAA. So. Yeah, I think they probably just want to give him a little bit more developmental time. He's a guy they're going to have to make a decision on soon. He'd be Rule 5 eligible at the end of the season, so he's going to have to make his way to the 40-man sooner than later. Uh, Beasley got the first look, and I know he didn't look particularly effective yesterday. He had some ridiculous numbers uh, down at AAA, a 101 ERA over 27 innings with a 32% strikeout rate. So not entirely surprised. They went with a guy who's a little older, a little more experienced. Hernandez, though, has to be on the radar. Um, although I do wonder if with Stripling in the rotation now, if the next guy up is a converted starter who can go multiple innings, thinking about a Thomas Hatch who hasn't been particularly effective this year, but has had a couple starts in a row uh, and maybe could give you two innings out of the bullpen. Matt, thanks so much for calling in, man. Thanks, Blake. Cheers. Uh, we have a text in the text line from our old pal Ricky in Thornhill. No question. He just says, I think the AL Central gets worse every year. Uh, how much worse every year? Well, the Twins have lost 8 of 11, and they're still way up in the division. Maybe we'll take a look at the standings after a little break here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Blue Jays Talk. I'm Blake Murphy, helping you wrap up a 12-3 Blue Jays victory down at Rogers Center. Sun just starting to set a little bit behind the Rogers Center roof here. Uh, and they're closing it on me. Oh, no. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I'll make it out of here before the dome closes all the way. Uh, we had a text from Ricky and Thornhill before we took that last break. He said, I think the AL Central gets worse every year. Well, with that loss, the Minnesota Twins have now lost 8 of 11. Natural time for the Bet365 standings update. Just download the app and see for yourself why Bet365 is the world's favorite sportsbook. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. A look at the current MLB team standings. The Minnesota Twins, losers of eight of their last 11, are still four games up in the AL Central. So Ricky and Thornhill, yes, the AL Central is bad. Uh, yes, the Twins padded their record a little bit early on. They still have a decent run differential. They're losing a lot. Uh, and they're still way up in that division not even particularly close. They've also only played 10 games against teams who are above 500, which also says something to you about what the AL Central looks like. The Jays have a couple series against the AL Central uh, coming up. They've got the Kansas City Royals after they finish this one with the Twins, and then they've got the Detroit Tigers, both of those teams at the bottom of the AL Central. The Jays, with the win, improved to 31-21. and 21. They pull back tied with the Tampa Bay Rays for second in the AL East and for the top wild card spot both Tampa Bay and Toronto well back of the Yankees though who sit first at 38 and 15 six and a half games up 
The Jays have won 9 of 10 and made up one game on the Yankees. That's a, that's a tough one. The Yankees over 100 in terms of run differential on the season as well. Only the Dodgers, who lead the NL at 35 and 17, can boast a larger run differential. Jays hanging in there, plus 12. 31 and 21, tied for second in the AL East. That's been your MLB team standings update, brought to you by Brett, Bet365. Uh, and thanks to Ricky from Thornhill for the question that so nicely teed that up. Again, Jays win 12-3. You can keep your text coming to 590-590, or you can give us a call at 416-870-0590 or one 590 or just call star 590. Uh, you can also tweet him at me, at Blake Murphy ODC. But my guess is the text or call is going to be a little easier for you. Uh, we have a text from Marie in Ridgeway, or Mary, um, however you say that, Mary or Marie. Um, she says... Biggio's OPS is lower due to his first 23 at-bats in early April. Look at his OBP the last 10 days. That's what's more important. Uh, you're right. What have you done for me lately? And lately, Biggio's been pretty good. If my back-of-the-envelope math is correct, since he returned from AAA, he's sporting a 464 OBP and an 893 OPS. Uh, you still count the stuff from earlier in the year. Those plate appearances happened. That's part of the information we have on BGO, especially coming off of a, a down 2021 as well. But we've also seen Kevin BGO be better than that, uh, not all that long ago. So if there's room for optimism with BGO, uh, I'm not going to argue with you there. 893 OPS since coming back up. And again, the Jays will probably continue to rotate him through a couple different spots in the lineup, through a couple different spots in the uh, in the field as he bounced around a little bit today. Bounced around all week, really. Jay's in the middle of a condensed uh, schedule here with only this coming Thursday off in a stretch of about three weeks. Uh, Andrea and Exeter says, Jays are on the up. Teo is starting to swing it. So is Vladdy. Go, Jays, go. And I and she really wants to see an AL East wild card show which division is truly the toughest. Uh, that one was from Holly and Ryan in Exeter. I think three people are using the same phone. Uh, so hope you guys are enjoying your afternoon out in Exeter. And yes, it's uh, the expanded playoff format is a real opportunity for baseball to take a look at these divisions and balance out those schedules. Because as things sit right now, uh, the AL East would have three playoff teams. And the Red Sox, despite being 25-27, are only a game and a half out with some positive indicators underneath that they might be better moving forward. I don't want to believe that because it's the Boston Red Sox. But the numbers say what the numbers say we have a text from slat and barry says can you talk about our upcoming schedule we have a good chance of keeping the hot streak we're on still concerned about the bullpen now i will lay out the schedule here keep in mind though that if the pittsburgh pirates can keep beating the los angeles dodgers over and over again uh, and they are for some reason the dodgers achilles heel you can't put anything in pen as a schedule victory even this weekend series, the Twins come in very shorthanded. The Jays come in red hot, and we're at 1-1, headed for a rubber match tomorrow. That game, by the way, our coverage starts on the Sportsnet Radio Network with Ben Wagner on the call at 130, first pitch 137, down here at Rogers Center. It's Kevin Gosman against Devin Smeltzer. Should be a fun one to see if the Jays can pick the momentum back up after losing the winning streak on Friday. A heck of a way to start trying today. That schedule slat uh they close out this series with the twins tomorrow then they go to kansas city for three kansas city is 
among not only the worst teams in baseball, they are dead last in winning percentage. They're 16 and 34. They are dead last in run differential at minus 84. They are not among the worst teams in baseball. They're among the worst teams in baseball over the last several years that we've seen. The Jays get them for three. Ross Stripling re-enters the rotation on Monday. The Jays' bats, also a big story in this one. 12 runs. Everyone gets on base. Everyone except poor Matt Chapman gets a hit. He gets beamed. He walks. Uh, But, hey, he scores two runs, and the Jays get the win. Question here from Impatient Panthers, who asks, uh, it feels like the plate discipline for the whole team is a lot better lately. Uh, And not a question, but I think the underlying question there is, is that something that uh, you look at it and be encouraged by, that there's a, a process change underlying the results change? For this team, and I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, they've jumped up the leaderboards the last few weeks in terms of uh, strikeout to walk ratio. Walk rate in general is something they've done a much better job with. Um, the last week of May, they walked almost 13% of their plate appearances, uh, which was great. This week, they walked in over 11% of their plate appearance, which is also great. Uh, their strikeout to walk ratio is about 2 to 1, which you're more than happy with for a team that thrives on being aggressive the way this Jays team, their top hitters thrive on being aggressive. You know, Bo Bichette had a three-walk game the other day. You don't want that every day from Bo Bichette. You like that Bo Bichette is very aggressive early in counts, and that can make opposing pitchers uncomfortable, but you don't want to give away plate appearances. And the Jays were doing a little bit to a lot of that during their tough first half of May uh, at the dish. You saw it with Bo in April, you saw it with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. a little bit, uh, offering too often at low and away pitches. One guy who hasn't had any problem with that is Alejandro Kirk, who uh, Homer today also singled and walked. He keeps it rolling. He has been excellent. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. homered for the third time in four games. The last two on Friday and Wednesday were absolute no-doubters. Two of the hardest balls he's hit all season. This one, a little bit of a lazy one that just hooked in down the left field line. Uh, weird question here from SJ in North York, who says, I enjoyed this game very much. Felt like an unofficial kickoff to summer. And then asks if I prefer, I think this is asking me if I prefer blueberry, raspberry, or strawberry. I would pick raspberry between the three. And then asks if Barrios has always worn a mouth guard. Yes, he was full Steph Curry today, chomping on that, uh, playing with it a little bit. Maybe it's uh, like a fidget spinner kind of thing where... Uh, it helps you just block out the other stuff that's going on. Who knows? But he was definitely Steph Currying it today, uh, chomping on a lot, playing with it a bunch. You can keep those texts coming. We're with you for another 15 minutes here. Uh, you can text 590-590 or give us a call at 888 uh, It won't be me with you tomorrow for Jay's pre and post, by the way. But we got you covered on the Rogers Sportsnet Radio Network. Ben Wagner will have the call starting at 1.30 uh, the game first pitch is 137 as the Jays look to win another series. This one against the Twins. It's Kevin Gosman against Devin Smeltzer. Kevin versus Devin. Be a fun one. Kevin Gosman had what you'd almost certainly call his worst start of the season last time out. Be really interesting to see how he looks to bounce back. Uh, the big culprit in that last one was trouble getting the splitter down in the zone. Um, 
Gosman challenges hitters a lot. He challenges them in the zone more than any other pitcher in baseball. But you still want to, if you're gonna, especially actually, if you're gonna challenge people in the zone, you want to make sure you locate in the right parts of the zone. He struggled with that a little bit against the White Sox. Gave up three over five, uh, five strikeouts to one walk and six hits in that one. Look, the fact that we're calling that, and statistically, that's his worst start of the season tells you a lot about the year that Kevin Gosman uh, has had. He'll enter that one with a 251 ERA. On the other side of that one, Devin Smeltzer. He's a lefty, a spectacled lefty. You'll see him with those glasses on the hill. Little windshield wipers going. He's only made four starts this year. He's thrown 24 innings. He's been very good in them. He's a 150 ERA. He had just a cup of coffee with the Twins last year. Made brief appearances for them in 2020 and 2019, both as a starter and a reliever. He has a 3.56 career ERA over uh, almost 100 innings now, which begs the question, why hasn't he stuck in the majors? He's Every time he's come up, he's been fairly effective for them. Why hasn't he stuck around? Still just 26. So maybe there's some, some chance still for Devin Smeltzer uh, to stick around. He spent parts of the year earlier uh, – in AAA, he made five starts down there with a 386 ERA. Doesn't miss a ton of bats, even at the AAA level. Certainly not at the major league level. And that's probably the big sticking point for Smeltzer's ability uh, to stick as a major league starter. It's great to be a lefty. It's great to be able to get through games uh, and not allow a ton of runs. Long term, though, if he can't miss bats, uh, that could be trouble. He also gave up eight home runs in just 49 innings in 2019. So this is a guy who can... Let you take a ride uh, with the ball, uh, depending on if he has it that day or not. This question, Dan from Aurelia. Which Blue Jays make the All-Star game this year? Looking ahead a little bit, I think you would put Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman down, if not with pen, with your darkest pencil, with the nubbiest eraser left on it. I don't think that's uh, speaking... Too early to say that those guys will likely be in the mix when we start looking at such things about a month from now. The hitter side's a little tougher to figure. Some of this is going to come down to fan vote. You'd think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a pretty good shot uh, by the fan vote at first base. Numbers-wise, hitting 253 with 343 OBP, 467 slugging, heading into today. He did hit another homer, his 12th of the season. Uh, he doesn't have quite the counting stats or the rate stats that he did last year. Maybe he doesn't get in. You never know, though. There's an element of who do you want to see play in a game like this? Who do you want at a weekend like that? Uh, on the coach's side, you know, who who has earned your respect over the last couple years? So he could get in that way. George Springer is the obvious one, though. He has 10 home runs on the season. Bit of a tough one today for him. Grounded into a double play. Lined out at one point, struck out in a very good competitive plate appearance uh, to start the game. And the one single he did have was a little check swing dribbler. It's what we call the slow pitch single. If any of you have ever played slow pitch with the wood board that covers the plate and and acts as kind of the strike zone, uh, the best place you can hit the ball in slow pitch other than over the fence is right off the front corner of that wood panel. And then it just dribbles into no man's land between third and the catcher, and the pitcher, 
I don't know if you know this about most slow-pitch players, not quite as athletic as major league third basemen and catchers and pitchers. That's what George Springer did, the little check swing there, then stole a base. Uh, him and Teoscar both with stolen bases uh, here. Question, uh, this person didn't sign their name. Again, keep keep the text coming to 590-590. Put your name and location in there uh, just so we know who you are and we can shout you out. But this question is, why don't they put Springer number three in the batting order since he's hitting so many home runs as leadoff? To that, I would say there's an element of where are your guys most comfortable? Where do your guys like to hit? Springer likes to hit leadoff. Vlad likes to hit third. You don't let the players dictate that all the time necessarily, but when you're splitting hairs, I don't think it's the worst thing to keep guys in positions where they're comfortable and where they have experience. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has generally settled in the three spot uh, when everything's healthy and guys are going. George Springer is fourth all-time in leadoff home runs with 49. So I think he's pretty comfortable there. The one thing I would say, too, is while Springer does have the power profile and that sometimes plays down in the order, he also has a penchant for taking very long competitive plate appearances early in games, and I think that's really helpful as a table setter for the rest of the lineup where Bo gets a look at some pitches, Lai gets a look at some pitches, Teoscar Hernandez gets a look at some pitches. I think that's probably a factor as well. Uh, yes, with lineup optimization, if you had one game and you needed every fractional run possible, you would want to optimize that batting order, and that might not have George Springer in the leadoff spot. The other counter to that is that means George Springer's getting the most plate appearances, which so far this year, not a bad thing at all. Will from Georgina says this year's Blue Jays All-Stars will be Kevin Gosman, George Springer, and Santiago Espinal. He leaves out Manoa, which is a, a bit of an upset there. Espinal is going to have to come around with the bat a little bit more. Uh, he did have a single, a double, and a walk today as well as two flyouts, hitting pretty well. Of course, and that excellent, excellent defense, wherever they put him in the infield. He split time between second and short today as Bo got a little rest. Uh, I think Alec Manoa not being on that list is a mistake, though, Will. I like the Santiago Espinal uh, confidence, but I think Manoa is probably, if I had to pick one guy right now, it would probably be Alec Manoa. This one comes from uh, Slatt and Barry again says, Barrios is looking like 2015 David Price. They've got the same mouthpiece. Uh, would you put your money on the, the win tomorrow? Um, well, I'm not putting your money on anything. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are a better team than the Minnesota Twins. I think Kevin Gosman is a better pitcher than Devin Smeltzer. We'll see what happens with the lineups uh, and everyone's availability. The Minnesota Twins today had Gio Urshela and Kyle Garlick on the bench. Uh, they were... they had minor injuries, what we think are minor injuries, in Friday night's game. So they were a very, very thin team today with just Gary Sanchez and Gilberto Celestino available off the bench. Only 11 options in their order. Um, on the bright side for them, they didn't use any of their key bullpen arms today. So if Smeltzer has them in a close game, if Smeltzer can't give them a ton of innings, they will have Tyler Duffy, Joe Smith, Griffin Jacks, even Jarrell Cotton, who was excellent on Friday. Uh, all of those names should be available for them no problem tomorrow, as well as Duran. Uh, so that's the one bright side when you get blown out. It's the same thing the Jays were looking at today uh, after they used Beasley, Richards, and Merriweather in the pen on Friday. Vasquez as well. Uh, today they get through it with just one inning from Merriweather, just one inning from Thornton, because Jose Brios goes seven with a career-high 13 strikeouts. That would mean I think just about everyone other than Julia Merriweather would be available out of the bullpen tomorrow as needed behind Kevin Gosman. Merriweather's thrown 39 pitches over the last two days, so he probably gets a day off. Jordan Romano, never been so well-rested 
The Jays are not doing the whole one-run win thing anymore. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> Romano's plenty rested. I, I would imagine you see him tomorrow uh, if they need him, even remotely. Uh, question from Ian in Midland. Do the Jays trade Kirk? Which uh, relates to a question I got earlier and had in the queue from Nathan from Guelph, who said, I'm hearing a lot of fans calling for Moreno to be added to the big league roster. What is the appeal of calling him up? The Jays have two Red Hawk catchers with reasonable defensive skills. Uh, am I alone thinking Moreno is better off having a full season at AAA? Nathan, on Jays Talk Plus this week, we talked to the athletics prospect expert, Keith Law, about exactly that. About whether especially a catcher who has missed some time due to injury, missed some time due to the pandemic-altered minor league seasons, uh, and a catcher of all positions where there is a huge mental learning curve at that position, would it hurt his development if he comes up and he's part of a three-catcher tandem or he's a backup catcher or something like that? And Keith Law basically said there's no harm in keeping him down at AAA a little longer. It's not a bad thing to have two good catchers and a third one coming up. Positional scarcity is a real thing. That is in terms of value to you as a team and in terms of value for depth and insurance in the event of injury and, and catcher is a high attrition position. And yeah, looking forward to the trade deadline and the Jays potentially looking at adding some places. Positional scarcity matters there as well. And all three of those guys would probably be very big trade chips not sure which way they'd lean in terms of uh, the pecking order of the three of them. I don't think either of the three would be available for, say, uh, sixth-inning reliever. But if you're aiming a little higher, if they decide at some point the Ryu-Stripling situation is not reliable enough for the back end of the rotation, if they decide, as we've thought since the offseason, maybe a left-handed bat in the high middle of this order could make some sense, then yeah, guys like that come into the mix. But to Nathan's point, um, Ian, I'll just let you guys talk to each other. But to Nathan's point, you don't need to necessarily take a strength and draw from it immediately. Not with, not with that level of urgency uh, anyway. Thanks for those texts today. I appreciate you guys texting in on my first solo Blue Jays post game. Uh, we also have Kirk for All-Star from Kevin from Carrot River, Saskatchewan. What a town name. Shout out to Kevin. Shout out to Carrot River, Saskatchewan. Slat from Barry says he's very confident in Jays fans getting a handful of Jays into the All-Star game. That'll be the big question. The starters get chosen by fan vote. So, the Jays win today, 12-3. Blast of a game. Everyone gets a hit who starts except for Matt Chapman. He even gets on base twice, scores two runs. A couple of stolen bases for Springer and Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez even hits a triple. Just the third one for the Jays this year. Bobachet, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk, all homer. And Jose Barrios shakes off a two-run homer in the first to turn in a career-high 13 strikeouts. We appreciate you hanging with us today. I had the pregame. Ben Wagner, always a treat to sit next to him and listen to him do a game. Uh, Brent Gunning was hosting. Thank you to Tom Young, Austin Mackey, and Brett Armstrong behind the scenes. And thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready. Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. This has been Blue Jays Talk for today, Saturday, June 4th. Jays win 12-3. They improved to 31-21. and 21. Bunch of home runs. Career night for Jose Barrios. We're back in action tomorrow as Kevin Gosman takes on Devin Smeltzer. The rubber match of Jays Twins. First pitch at 137. Ben Wagner has you on the Sportsnet Radio Network starting 
at 1.30.